0: And we're going to see today the love of God, how he loves us, John 13:1. He loved them to the end. He loved them completely, ultimately. you're listening to Dwell on Truth. My name is Brenton Powers, and my co-host Daniel Bodwin is not with us for a second week because we were both doing some traveling. I got to go up to Calvary Chapel, Yuba City, and taught there the same chapter I taught last week here on the radio, John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. I delivered it in a different way, and so I thought it would be interesting for you to hear what it sounded like when I taught about the love of God from John chapter 13 in the context of a church. So I'd encourage you, if you're not going to church, it's Sunday morning. Why not? Visit a church near you, a Bible teaching church. There are many Calvary chapels all over California, and probably not far from you. So I'd encourage you to go. If you're listening online, you can go to CalvaryChapel.com and search for Calvary Chapel near you. Our mission with Open Air Campaigners USA is presenting Christ by all means everywhere. So as our branch is in the Northern California area, we find opportunities to share in different churches. And if you would like to invite us to share in your church, Daniel or I would love to come and share the word of god and especially share the gospel and equip people for ministry for evangelistic ministry for discipleship however we can serve get in touch with us and let us know we'd love to be a guest speaker and develop a partnership Perhaps coming alongside your church and sharing the gospel in your community. For more information about that, you can go to oacnorcal.org and contact us there. So, without any further delay, just want to jump into the topic and teaching for today. Let's listen to today's episode of Dwell on Truth.
1: Uh, this morning. We have a treat. This is Brenton Powers. Brenton has been here uh, many times before. He is a missionary, he's an evangelist. He works with open air campaigners. Uh, He does a little bit of everything. Uh, Great Bible teacher. When I lived in Hungary, Brenton and I first got to know each other. He came over to Hungary and helped do an apologetics class with me. Um, So we've known each other for quite a few years now. He was playing drums this morning. I think it's a prerequisite for anyone who's on the mission field to know how to play as many musical instruments as possible so you kind of have to learn how to do it all Uh, but he's going to take us through john chapter 13 this morning i'm very excited for that Uh, he's going to share a little bit about an outreach an evangelistic outreach we're going to have on saturday down in uh, on uh, the sort of the main drag in yuba city so i'll let him talk more about that let's give a warm welcome to brenton powers this guy this guy is great. One of the things that I love about Brenton is, I mean, he's a great Bible teacher, but he's just joyful. You know, when you talk to Brenton, he's just always, he, total opposite of me, right? I mean, he's always got a smile on his face and just always kind of puts you in a good mood. Take it away, Brenton.
0: I don't have your sense of humor. I don't know if I can make people laugh like you do. You're just telling some great stories. Thank you for such kind words. Uh, there's a Wonderful prayer in the Psalms I want to start with before we get into God's Word. It's Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So let's pray that because I think that's what God wants us to do is open our eyes that we may see wonderful things. So Lord, we ask that you told it, you told us to ask this and you gave the example through the Apostle Paul as he prayed that for the church in Ephesus, that you may open the eyes of their hearts and give them understanding of the great treasures that we have, the great power that we have in Christ. And I pray that you would open our eyes to see in the word, to see in your scriptures, to see you, Jesus, as the center, as we sang already, and to see the center of your heart, I pray that you would help us have your mindset, to have your love today. May this not just be words on a page or words going forth, but may it be your power and your spirit working through me to bless this church here. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been praying for a fitting word from the Lord for this church at this time, on this day, and you've had years of solid teachings. How many of you have been coming here for more than a year? So you've had years of solid teaching. I do follow online. I watch the YouTube videos. The series on discipleship is excellent. If you haven't heard that, go back and watch it. If you have heard it, watch it again and then make disciples because that's the mission that God has for us. So we're going to see how Jesus did that in John chapter 13. So please open your Bibles with me to John 13. Who's using New King James Version? Raise your hand. All right. So we have various translations here. So you don't, you'll forgive me if I bounce around from the New King James to the ESV. So let's go ahead and read. I'm going to read in the ESV starting in verse 1 through verse 5. And we're going to see today the love of God, how he loves us. and that he had come from God, was, and was going back to God, rose from supper, and laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, and then poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is what follows immediately after John says... He loved his own and he loved them to the end. Notice that that in verse one, loved is used twice in verse one. He, He had already loved them. In fact, everything Jesus did to this point was done with love. Every kind word, every gentle word, every stern word, every rebuke, every action that he did whether it was healing somebody, whether it was casting out a demon, whether it was forgiving someone, the adulterous woman. Um, those Everything Jesus did, he did with love. Why? Because he is love. God is love. Jesus is God. And love just flowed from Jesus. He loved them perfectly. And he loved them to the end. And it's kind of, it seems redundant, right? Like having loved them, he loved them. But sometimes I think we... We think, okay, like I've already loved them. I don't need to love them anymore. I've already done that. Like I've checked off that list. Love God, love people. Check, check. Okay, now I can love myself, right, for a while. But Jesus loved them. And notice when this was. In verse one, he says, Now before the Passover, now the, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to depart from this world and go back to the Father. This is the last 24 hours of his life before going to the cross. If there's ever a time when you were, if you're given 24 hours to live, how would you spend that last day and night? Well, Jesus spent it in a way that many of us would want to spend it with people that we love, with our loved ones, with people that love us. But instead of demanding that they love and serve him because he's earned it, he's God, he's Lord, he shows us to the end how he loves. He never stops loving you and me. Isn't that good news? God so loved the world. You say it with me, you know John 3:16, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. What is love? We're going to talk a lot about it today because this this is the key verse, John 13, 1. He loved them to the end. He loved them completely, ultimately, perfectly, to death and beyond. What is love? You, maybe you're thinking of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not arrogant. It's not self-seeking. There's a long list of what love does and what love doesn't do, what love is and what love isn't. That's helpful, right? Because in this world... The definition of love that the world would give you is something more akin to sex. Uh, and that's not love. Yes, in a, in a godly marriage, that can be part of it. This, that's part of a, a mature relationship you have with your wife. But outside of that, we're to love God and love people with his agape love. That's the kind of love I want to love my wife with, and my kids, and the people I'm called to disciple, and you. God's calling me to love you. And God just gave me this word for you guys today that Christ has loved you and he loves you and he will always love you. Like we need to just receive that and embrace that. We need to be reminded of that, right? God's love, it never gets old. And so last time I taught here, it was on the grace of God today. I guess it's about the love of God. And it's the greatest. Faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of these is love. So put on your thinking caps, though, because just it's not just a touchy-feely message, not just a feel-good message, we look at how Jesus loved, and that's the theme for today, how he lo- loved us, and then at the end, we're gonna come to how do we love him in response. The kids' memory verse, how many of you have kids in the children's ministry today that are out there? Uh, check with them, because their memory verse is 1 John four nineteen. We love, and you could probably finish this verse too, because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. John 4, 19. And that's so good because that's the resource with which we can love. He doesn't just say, okay, try your best with the limited resources you have to love everybody, not just your wife and your kids and your neighbors, but your enemies. No, he doesn't do that. He gives us his love first. So we're first going to be focusing on all the different ways that Jesus loved his disciples just in this passage, John chapter 13. And I won't cover the whole chapter. I don't have time. But in this first section, verse 1 through 5, we see that Jesus loved by giving a humble act of service. And that is washing the disciples' feet. Notice in verse 4 and 5, all the verbs. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. And taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And he poured water into a basin to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Love is action. It's not just a warm feeling you have. It is an intense desire for someone else's good. Love is service. The ISBE, I don't know what that stands for, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, probably, defines the word love in this way. Love is an earnest and anxious desire for, and an active and beneficent interest in, the well-being of the one loved. Agape denotes the highest and most perfect kind of love, implying a clear determination of will and judgment in belonging to, particularly, to divine love, divine revealed love. So God's love is the perfect kind of love. When Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He said, do you agape me? Do you have that perfect love for me? And Peter gave a diminished, a, a, an inferior word for love, and that's phileo. And Jesus said, but do you agape me? And he said, well, Jesus, I, I phileo you. I really like you a lot. I love you as a brother. Jesus said the third time, do you phileo me? And Peter was sad that third time that he said, do you phileo me? Because that phileo is not the perfect kind of kind of love. And by that point, Peter had been humbled. He realized, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. But God wants to take our phileo, turn it into agape. And how do we do that? We love because he first loved us. You got it. And hopefully your kids are going to get it today. If they don't, then you could remind them of this. And it's not just words, right? It's, it's action. Jesus loved by serving. If you look at all these verbs that we emphasized, it's work, right? It's, he, he didn't just recline at the table all night. He rose to serve. Now Some of us in our thinking, you say, well, I'm not going to stoop to serve so and so. But Jesus rose to serve. And who did he serve? Going back to verse 2, who was there? Judas was there and Judas had it in his heart to betray Jesus. Did Jesus wash Judas's feet? He hadn't left at this point. The only one who objected to this was Peter, which we're going to see in the next section. But Jesus loved even Judas. Even though Judas didn't love him, he loved him. Jesus loved Judas. So Jesus loved by humble service, even those who wouldn't serve him. Do we do that? Oh, if by the grace of God, We can do that it's only by his love poured out in our hearts by the holy spirit that we can love in this way so there's a couple things i wanted to highlight also in this section before i move on to the next jesus knew some things what did jesus know in verse one it says jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the father in verse three it says knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and knowing that he had come from God and knowing that he was going back to God, then he rose and began to serve. What's the point? Jesus didn't just serve because he thought that, well, maybe, maybe I don't know who I am. Maybe I should just revert to a humble servant because I'm not sure of who I am. No, Jesus knew confidently where he was from, that he was from God. He knew confidently where he was going. In spite of the fact that he would be betrayed and go to the cross within 24 hours, He knew where he was going after that. He knew he was going to be going to the Father So what can man do to me, right? Where does this boldness to serve come from? He knew that he was going to the Father. He knew that the Father had given him all things. So he wasn't serving out of any kind of identity crisis or insecurity. He was actually serving from the security of knowing who he was as God in the flesh. Excuse me. So Jesus, knowing these things, he served. We'll bring application to that. But do you know? who you are in Christ? Do you know where you're going? Do you have assurance of salvation? It's an important question, and as an evangelist, I don't want to assume that everybody here is saved. So I want to ask the question, and sometimes, like as a 17-year-old man, at that time I needed someone to challenge me and say, how do you know that you're saved? You said a quick prayer, you can quote John 3.16, but has your life been changed by Jesus? And so. Jesus, knowing that the hour had come that he would depart from this world, he was confident. And there's a time coming for you to depart from this world. It says in Hebrews 9, 27 and 28, just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. You have an appointment with death. Are you ready? If it were to come in 24 hours, if it would come tonight, are you ready to stand before God? Would he accept you? Let me tell you the gospel. Here's the basis. How he could accept guilty, shameful sinners like us. We confess our sins. He's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins. Call upon the Lord and you will be saved. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus lived a sinless life. He loved us perfectly. And he died for us on the cross. He took my sins and yours. He took our shame, our guilt, our punishment. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating Satan and sin, death, and hell for us. And all who trust in him, all who turn to him in faith and repentance are forgiven. They're new creatures. You get a new heart, a new life, because you're born again. Not because of your works, because our works condemn us, but because of Jesus's finished work on the cross. He loved you to the end. Do you believe that? Have you received that? Make your calling and election sure. Okay. That's my little evangelist uh, heart. I I have to get that out because I don't know. Everybody's saved in here, but make sure that you are. Okay, so the next section, uh, verse 6 through 12, having loved them by humbly serving, he continues to love them by being patient and kind. That's how Jesus loves, by being patient and kind. In fact, I stole that from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and love is kind. So not inventing anything new here. This is just a wonderful thing to see in God's word. Look at how he treats Peter. In verse 6, he's still washing feet, going around disciple, disciple. In verse 6, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? A question. Jesus was kind to Peter, even when he questioned what he was doing. Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Notice the word understand there is mentioned twice. Jump ahead to verse 12. When he had washed their feet, he put on outer garments and resumed his place and said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? So do you understand? That's a good question for a teacher to ask a disciple. And Jesus says flat out, you don't understand what I'm doing. Peter didn't understand. I mean, everyone understood what foot washing was. It was a customary part of their culture. You walk around on dirty paths where animals have also treaded. Not to be too graphic, but yesterday I was evangelizing by the Monterey Fisherman's Wharf. And I guess some dog dropped a little... Gift that kept on giving uh, on the sidewalk. And there's about 1,000 people that walk by every hour. That's why I go there and evangelize. It's a great fishing hole. But we picked a spot where it t- turned out there was this stuff on the ground. And we kept warning people, "Hey, watch out! Watch out for that brown stuff on the road." The People were walking on it, and then like dragging, it and it's just you know really messy. But that was what it was like in the first century. You'd walk around, and you'd get stuff on your feet, and you would need to wash your feet. And how many of you can imagine? There's there's a basin for that. You don't get to go into the kitchen and use a salad bowl for that type of service it's a filthy type of thing to wash that type of stuff off people's feet so in Monterey I actually like it's like well I'm teaching this tomorrow I might as well use this as an illustration you know I have to warn you guys that you don't step in this dookie over here but I also have a warning for you that you'll be in deep deep trouble if you don't trust in Christ. So let me share the good news. You use whatever bridges to the gospel there are that present themselves. And Jesus uses this filthy feet need to be washed, to illustrate what he was going to do going to the cross. See, if, if Peter resisted earlier, he said, Oh, no, Lord, you're not going to go to the cross. You're the king. You're going to reign. Jesus rebuked him. He said, Get behind me, Satan. Those are the thoughts of man, not God. And again peter says what are you doing he questions jesus but jesus is kind and then peter said verse 8 back in john 13 verse 8 peter said to him you shall never wash my feet jesus answered if i do not wash you you have no share with me he goes from questioning jesus to refusing jesus these are strong words never it implies it's it's set in stone you're never gonna do this to me why would Peter resist Jesus so strongly well I I don't want to psychoanalyze Peter but I know for myself sometimes it's hard to be served it takes humility to be served to accept that someone is gonna serve you because the opposite would be well no I don't need you to serve me I got it I'm a self-made man I can do this by myself I don't need your help Is that the attitude we have sometimes? We can relate to Peter, right? No, you shouldn't be the one serving me. He might have been the spokesperson for all the disciples. They probably all were thinking, at this point, why would Jesus stoop to serve us? Well, Luke 22 actually gives us an insight to what they were talking about at this time. They were actually arguing with themselves about who was the greatest. And so they're they're partway through their supper, and no one has washed anybody's feet because they're all vying for their position of being the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. I'm not going to serve. That's their attitude. I don't, and I don't want you to serve. Jesus is obviously greater than all of them. But if, if being great means that, that everybody serves you and you serve no one, that's not greatness. Jesus said, if you want to be great in my kingdom... Learn to be the servant of all. But who was Jesus? He was King of kings and Lord of lords, but he acted as the servant of all. So his disciples needed to learn this lesson, and they probably felt ashamed like, oh gosh, none of us washed anybody's feet, and Jesus had to get up and take care of it. But Jesus didn't do it with a complaint, right? When we go back to verse 5, it just says a list of verbs that Jesus did. He didn't say anything, he just got up, started to do it. He didn't have an attitude of, Oh, gosh, again, I have to clean up after you. You know, a servant of all doesn't do that. They just quietly serve. He didn't have an attitude about it. He served with humility and he served by being patient and kind, even when they questioned him, even when he was resisted. But Jesus, though he was gentle, he was also firm. It says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So you won't let me wash you. There's the door. To be a disciple of Jesus, you have to let him wash you. I mean, that's the whole point of the cross, is that he cleanses us from our sin. We have to admit that we're dirty, that we're sinners. And in our pride, that's a hard thing. But may God give you the humility that you need to let Jesus wash your feet. Otherwise, you have no share in the rewards that Jesus provides for us. Do you want to share in what Jesus has to give you? Do you want to be a part... Of Jesus's team his kingdom well Peter did and so he jumped to the other extreme and some of us can relate to this you go from one extreme to another maybe you have an addictive personality maybe you have whatever you do you, you do it hundred and ten percent yeah or you know somebody that's like that that was Peter he said okay Lord not only my feet but also my hands and my head okay Jesus is being kind and being gentle with the people that are extreme he Kindly answers and explains, like, no one who has bathed needs to wash entirely except for his feet. He's completely clean, and you are all clean, but not every one of you. Verse 11, and he knew who was to betray him, and that's why he said, not all of you are clean. So there's some clues how we know Jesus wasn't just talking about physical cleanliness. He's talking about spiritual cleanliness cleanliness. There's a spiritual cleanness that Jesus provides. And unless you accept both the practical and the spiritual help from Jesus, you can't be his disciple. You want to be his disciple? You want to be a part of what he's doing? It's a great privilege. I love being a part of serving Jesus by making disciples, preaching the gospel, being on mission for him. And this isn't just for evangelists. This is for the whole body of Christ. So I want to invite you to be a part of what Jesus is doing. By first, letting him love you and cleanse you and serve you, because we love him because he first loved us. So it's essential. The Apostle Paul taught on this as by way of example. And he told Timothy, set an example for the believers in faith and in love and in purity and other things. Kevin gave a lot of great verses in the discipleship series about imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right? So by example... He loved them, and we ought to love others. So if Jesus loved us by humbly serving, how are we to love? By humbly serving. If Jesus loved us by being patient and kind, even when people resisted and questioned and refused and went from one extreme reaction to another extreme reaction, shouldn't we love other people when they question us or resist us or go from one extreme reaction to another extreme reaction? Rather than just mirror that and be reactive and go from one extreme to another, we need to love each other by not reacting when other as other people react. That's what Jesus does. That's what his followers do. And I know you're going through things as a church. There's been transitions. There's things that are hard. But we ought to not react by going from one extreme to another. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And Jesus loves us so much that he gently corrects us and he brings us back to the center. So I'm glad you've played that song today. We need Jesus. We don't need to focus on what Kevin is doing or what Mallet is doing or what Keith is doing or what person next to you, what are they doing? What did Jesus do? So that's what this passage is about. Jesus loved. Let us love like Jesus loved. So Peter did learn. At first, he didn't understand. Jesus corrects him, he teaches him, and he later asks in verse 12, Do you understand what I have done for you? Do we understand, though? Aren't we still learning? Aren't we still growing? You look at Peter, his understanding kept growing. Even through Pentecost, God used him to preach, and 3,000 people were saved. But then through the book of Acts, you see him continuing to learn. When God called him to go to the Gentiles' house, Cornelius' house, he was like, well, no, Lord, I never go and eat anything unclean. I never. And he said, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. And he learned in Acts 15, it says that God has shown me that it's by the grace of God that we're saved when the the elders... And the apostles and the council of the, the first council in the church they met over that question of do you have to be circumcised to be saved do you have to obey the law of moses to be saved and peter revealed in in his story that he was still learning and there was time there was a time when paul had to correct peter because he was treating the gentiles differently when jews showed up and he wasn't being straightforward about the gospel the point is just because you learned in, that jesus loved you and Sunday school or VBS doesn't mean like you fully understand it. I think we're going to be growing in our understanding of his love until we see him face to face. So that's what learning is when you go from not understanding to understand. Jesus said, you don't understand now. We need to humbly admit, no, I I don't understand everything. When someone asks a question on the street, And I was talking with a few atheists yesterday, um, and they asked some good questions. Sometimes I had to just say, you know, I don't know. And that's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. A disciple is a learner. So that's what you need to do is learn. When Jesus says, you don't understand, okay, Jesus, teach me. Explain it to me. And I actually like it when people ask questions. That's how I grow, and so that's how they're going to grow. So Jesus loved by being patient and kind. Paul told Timothy... The, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but patient to all, kind, and gently correcting those who are in opposition in hopes that God will grant them repentance. And although you need a certain amount of boldness to go out onto the street and preach the gospel in the open air, you also need a certain amount of gentleness. And Jesus here modeled that with Peter. And he models that with us. God showed his own love for us even while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God desires for all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. First Timothy 2 4. I'm not giving you all the references. The first one was Romans 5 8. We quoted John three 16. First Timothy 2 4 and 2 Peter 3 9. God is not willing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. God's love is general for the whole world. He wants all people to be saved. But God's love is also individual. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself for me. Have you had that revelation? Jesus gave himself for you individually. I told you a story last time when I shared on the grace of God, how that I was overwhelmed when i realized jesus died on the cross and he was thinking of me as well as everybody he was thinking of me he was thinking of you someone said i don't know if it's true but the guy leading the communion said thank you jesus that you loved me so much that you would have died even if it was only me that was saved i don't know if that's true but it it hit home that he actually did love me not just the world generally we need that revelation like paul had He would have died on the cross for us and then we will love him then we will want to serve him then we'll have that faith to live for him because he lived and died for us are you guys being blessed yet is god showing you wonderful things in his word god continue to show us wonderful things in your word there's a something that happens in this transition between receiving cleansing for yourself, and then looking on others and desiring for them to also be saved. It happened with David in Psalm 51, that wonderful prayer. If you're not a believer and you haven't prayed to receive Jesus yet, look at Psalm 51. I gave it to one guy uh, a few weeks ago in Capitola. I was preaching the gospel at the beach. The young man, don't need to go into all of his sin. You have your own sins, so let's apply it to that. Peter had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he was caught and called on the carpet by Nathan. And that's the context in which he wrote Psalm 51. From memory, there's that Keith Green song. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, take not thy holy spirit from me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, little river, that's good, and renew a right spirit within me. so when God cleanses your heart, when God cleansed david's heart, and in the, in the middle of that prayer where he was just asking for cleansing. He said, then, then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. That's the prerequisite for evangelism is that God has first cleansed you. You want other people to be saved, other people to forgiven because you yourself have been saved and you are forgiven. And that feels so good. There's the joy of your salvation and you just want to share that with everybody. So maybe you've gone through something this week. Maybe, maybe, but probably you've sinned in some way this week and you need God to give you a pure heart, not just wash your feet, but wash your heart, cleanse your conscience. And then God will use you. When you have that clean conscience, that confidence before God, you want everyone to experience that. So that's what Jesus was doing for these disciples. You need to first receive love and receive cleansing to enable you to give love so other people can be cleansed. You're going to. Hear a lot about love in First John is uh, next week. Pastor Kevin's going to begin a series in First John. So this is kind of the introductory message to that same author, the Apostle John, the Apostle of love, a lot of the same themes. And here's a here's a verse, a couple of verses from First John 3:16 and 18. By this, we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Jesus loved in deed. Jesus loved in truth. And that's how we know what love is. The world doesn't know what love is. So don't expect them to love you. You know what love is. You look at the cross. That's the purest, the ultimate expression of love. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so that's the second point. First point was Jesus loved by humbly serving. Second point, he loved by being patient and kind, even when they did this or that to me. Third point, Jesus loved by setting an example for the disciples to follow. Jesus loved by example. How many of you are Christians today because some loving, (laughs) okay, Kevin raised his hand. That's good, Kevin. I'm glad you you are a Christian today. How many of you are Christians today because someone loved you by example? Because you saw Christians that were genuinely interested in your well-being? They cared enough to confront you on sin, perhaps. Or they did some act of kindness that showed, like, why would you do that? You don't even know me. Why would you love me in that way? And it made you curious. That love is powerful when you live as an example. And Jesus' whole life, as I already said, was one where he loved people. Every deed, every word, every thought was done in love. And that's an example for us. So let's read the next section, John 13, verse 13 through 17, and see what kind of example Jesus set, how he taught from his own example. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So it says in verse 15, I've given you an example that you are to do just as I have done for you. We've been talking a lot about what Jesus did. Do you understand what I'm doing to you? Peter said, what are you doing to me? You will understand what he's doing. He's always serving as an example, but here he's actually drawing it out like, I am an example for you. I am your teacher. You are a disciple. Follow in my footsteps. I think he wanted to make it clear that he was underlining even the serving part, even the filthy part, even the undesirable ministry. I served in Ukraine for three years. And my my first two years, I was leading worship. I was learning to evangelize from older missionaries. They let me teach a lot of Wednesday nights. I was discipling some people. I got to baptize people. And we started a brand new church in the city of Nizhyn. Unfortunately, during the war, uh, that church had to flee from that city because they were under attack. I'm still in touch with the pastor there that we turn things over to. But my third year, I went to another church where they already had a team of Ukrainians that were being raised up to serve in leadership. So I didn't lead worship. I didn't disciple anyone. Well, not in the way that you would think. They asked, would you be so kind as to lead our uborki team? And if you speak Russian, uborki it means cleaning the bathrooms. <laughs> would you clean the toilets? And so for a year, I committed to cleaning the toilets of Calvary Chapel Preluke. And I raised up a team of other people that saw this as their ministry. And we're so happy to be there serving the Lord. Jesus washed feet, and this is no harder than that. It's very practical. So I discipled the guys in cleaning the bathrooms. We also mopped the sanctuary. There was a linoleum floor. We also cleaned the walls. There was like some fungus growing out of this one wall. (laughs) We had to keep spraying it with bleach and Clorox. We also cleaned the the toys that the children played with every week. We cleaned. And there was just a joy. One of the semesters, actually all the semesters in Bible college, I cleaned something. I was in housekeeping for a year. I, I washed dishes at the castle in Austria. And we had to write a paper about what we learned through that practical Christian ministry. So the title of my paper was, What I Got Out of the Sink. (laughs) And you get a lot out of the sink. You get a lot out of serving. You become a lot more like Jesus because you're following his example. I thank God that we serve a king who though he is high and exalted, seated on the throne, he humbled himself and stooped down to do the lowest, dirtiest job imaginable, right? So if Jesus wasn't above serving, then none of us should be above serving. They're asking for volunteers for the VBS. Well, it's gonna be a lot of serving. My daughter just came back from a week of serving a kids at a kids' theater. She volunteered to help as a kind of a counselor. At the end of the week, she had her friend over and and they were outside, you know, having some snacks and stuff and her friend accidentally knocked over a glass of milk, and it shattered and spilled milk all over our backyard driveway. And I, I heard the shatter, so I went outside to see what was happening. And without skipping a beat, my daughter grabbed a broom, it's, it's okay, I'm sweeping it up. She's like, whoa, look at me, I've, I've been cleaning bathrooms all week, I kind of enjoy cleaning, because it's just like, hey, you see a need, you take care of it. And she learned to serve by uh, following the example of others that have gone before her. Her brother had the same job. He also learned to clean toilets and to sweep up. Yeah, that was his first job, was working at a theater, children's theater. And now they're applying that at home. I was like, wow, I'm going to have to give you more chores. If you like cleaning, that would be great. <laughs> She's, I, when I got here last night, I'm staying over. I texted, OK, I got here, fine. I, and I sent the pictures to my wife and daughter. And so my daughter sent me a picture of her next to a mountain of dishes. She says, and I'm here washing the dishes. <laughs> and I said, thank you so much. Praise God when your children catch the heart of serving, of ministry. That's her way of loving. And that's how we should continue to love. Anyway, let me just go over the, the main points again. I was just so blessed studying this topic this week. I mean, the main idea is this. See how wonderfully Jesus loved us. He loved us, number one, by humbly serving. He loved us, number two, by being patient and kind, even when people weren't that way to him. He loved us, number three, by example. And number four, he loved us by giving us resources. We're going to skip a few verses. Go to John 13, verse 34 and 35. John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So in this, I see Jesus is giving us resources and motivation to love. It's a new commandment. We like new things, right? Well, what's new about this? The whole summary of the law is to love God and love people. What's new about this commandment is that Jesus said, love as I have loved you. And what's new is that Jesus loved them by serving them and washing their feet. So he's giving them a new definition of love, expanding this definition of love and including that in his command to love one another as I have loved you. Don't just love each other as yourself, which is the second most important commandment, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a pretty high level. But to love as Jesus loved us, how much higher is that? That's agape. Love one another, not just with phileo. Oh, I like I like the people at Calvary Chapel, Yuba City. I'm fond of you. No, we're called to love one another, like really love, like this kind of love, like Jesus loved one another. So I said that he loves us by giving us resources and motivation. Where does that come from? Well. Since he has loved us. What's the memory verse? We love because he first loved us. It's not just for the kids that they need to memorize it. We need to memorize that. That's the resource with which we love. One of the rebukes that, Peter, that Jesus had against the Pharisees was they don't have the love of God in them. But that's what makes the disciples different. We do have the love of God in us. Let us love for love is from God and God is love. And if God is love and he is in us, then we have all of his love in us as the resource to love others. We need to learn how to draw upon those heavenly riches. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 3. That's a spiritual resource with which we love. And he gives us more resources than than just that. He gives us the resource of his spirit. The Bible says that he's poured out his love within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He gives us resources of one another. If we're to love one another, then... We also can get filled up in our love battery, if you will, by receiving love from others, by being a part of the church, by being in fellowship, by being in prayer, by being in service, by being available outside of church to be part of people's lives. The resources that God has given you, when you look around, there's people with different spiritual gifts, with, yes, different needs, but those needs are opportunities. So he gives us the resources to meet these needs, and he also gives us the motivation. And this is where I'm going to bring in more cross-references. But let me start with this motivation in verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Do you want the world to recognize that you're a disciple of Christ? Demonstrate it by your love. That's a strong motivation for me. When I became a Christian, I wanted nothing more than to know Jesus and to make him known but how can i make him known if i'm not i'm not loving other people that's not reflecting very well on him so i learned to follow the example of of other believers that love me jesus washes us in the water of his word so god is good oh there's my time i gotta quit in jesus name amen no okay <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't have time for all the cross references but if you want them i'd be happy to share with you in conclusion <laughs> jesus gives us his resources and one of the things is looking forward to the reward hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3 as we look at jesus example therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to jesus The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's not a selfish thing to look to the reward, to look to the prize, to use the same motivation that Jesus gives us to serve him. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 18, what then is my reward? That in preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant. Sound familiar, like Jesus? That I might win all the more. I do it for the sake of the gospel, verse 23, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all our runners, all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. The reward on the other side of the suffering, the reward on the other side of the cross, that's what Jesus looked forward to. The joy that was set before him in the resurrection and having accomplished our redemption, You are the joy that was set before Jesus. Paul says to the Thessalonian church, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown or of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? So what's the prize? When you love as Jesus loved, the world will recognize you're one of Jesus' followers. That's what a Christian is, someone who's like Christ. And love sets us apart. We have it in our Calvary Chapel statement of faith and in many bulletins. I've seen it for years in different churches. We look for his love as the primary evidence that we've been worshiping him, without which we have no right to call ourselves Christian. So with that love, though, we can be a witness and then we will convert sinners. Well, we don't convert them. Then we will lead sinners to Christ who converts them. Just like Peter and Paul and David, they all testify to this truth. The reward, the only thing we can take with us to heaven is other people, souls. So if you want to win souls, the Bible says he who wins souls is wise, join me next Saturday, Plumas Street, He'll be out there. Who else is going to be out there next Saturday from 5 to 8? Okay. You don't have to preach. You don't have to give out tracts if you don't feel comfortable yet. But just come and see. See what it's like and pray. I need people to stand with me and to pray. Great. I'll see you on Plumas Street next Saturday. So thank you so much for allowing me to serve you by giving you these scriptures that just encourage me and I think... We needed that reminder, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us so much that you sent your only Son, that he would give his life for us. And Lord, help us to love as he loved, to give of our time, our talents, our treasures, our service. Lord, we pray that you would be pleased by our service of worship, that we would serve you with whole hearts as you served us with your whole heart of love. Thank you, Jesus. Please fill us with your love to overflowing. This week, and help us to see opportunities to practically love those who you've given us to love. Let us do it with your resources and with your motivation, by your spirit, Lord. Thank you, God, for the love I feel in this church. Thank you for what you're going to do through Calvary Chapel, Yuba City. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Let's all stand together and sing how deep the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only Son To make a wretch treasure Again, just for your love for us, God, I just pray that as we go out throughout our week, even the rest of today, Lord, I just pray that that we don't just put aside what we've learned and, and go about our day, but I just pray that we take it with us and that we hold on to it, Lord, and that we walk in in your love and and grow in loving you more and loving others more. In Jesus, name I pray, Amen.
0: So that was the conclusion of the Sunday service at Calvary Chapel, Yuba City, where I spoke as a guest speaker. And a partner in evangelism and in missions with Pastor Kevin Fitzgerald. And as you heard the announcement, we did do an outreach the following Saturday, and it went very, very well. Thousands of people came by and saw our cross that said, Are You Ready? And hundreds of people took gospel tracts over the period of 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. downtown Cuba City. If you'd like to see what an outreach in your area would look like, if you're in Monterey, I'm out there almost every Saturday, from 1 to 5, and we do outreaches in Santa Cruz County, Santa Clara County, and hope to reach out to other areas in the Monterey Bay and San Francisco Bay Area, the greater Sacramento area. So check out our outreach schedule at oacnorcal.org. If you'd like to listen to past programs of this show, it's called Dwell on Truth. You can look up Dwell on Truth with Bretton Powers in any podcasting app from Apple to Google to Spotify or Podomatic where I upload it and subscribe so that you get instant updates for our next show. This show is brought to you by generous Christians who are giving to us as open air campaigners, missionaries and evangelists so that we can offer the gospel free of charge to you. So praise God. God, and we just want you to turn and trust in Jesus and continue in His Word. Continue to dwell on truth, because the truth will set you free. Once again, more information is available at oacnorcal.org or our webpage for the podcast, dwellontruth.org. My name is Brenton Powers. Daniel Bodwin will be with us again next week as we continue our study through the Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning in verse 18. So may God richly bless you as you continue to dwell on truth.